Do you ever wonder about Jesus? Why did God send him? What was so important? How do we know that he was the Messiah? Former lawyer turned kindergarten teacher, Kim Erickson, shows us a roadmap to see the truth about Jesus in Isaiah, all while guiding us towards digging for the truth ourselves. I am Eva Kabashik, and this is Bible Study Made Simple. Have you ever felt intimidated or confused by the Bible? Or maybe you've started studying the Bible before, but haven't found a way to incorporate it into your regular routine. The Bible Study Made Simple podcast is here to help you move from intimidated and confused to confident and joyful in your approach to scripture and to help you find a routine that sticks. The goal isn't checking off a box perfectly, but instead our goal is an intimate connection with the God of the Bible, plus having tons of fun along the way. If you are looking for a simple way to regularly get in God's Word, grab a copy of the Simple Bible Study Journal on Amazon. This journal will walk you step-by-step through studying any passage of Scripture, all while keeping it simple. Today's guest, Kim Erickson, began following Christ after the death of her three-year-old son. Jesus and the Bible saved Kim from the pit of grieving the loss of a child. Kim began writing and teaching ministry to help other women find outrageous joy from a deeper relationship with God. You can learn more at KimAErickson.com. Kim is the author of His Last Words, What Jesus Taught and Prayed in His Final Hours, Surviving Sorrow, A Mother's Guide to Living with Loss, and coming out next week, Predicting Jesus, a six-week study of the Messianic prophecies of Isaiah. Kim is an attorney and kindergarten teacher, and she lives in Florida with her husband Devin and son Ethan. This conversation blessed me so much, and I'm so excited for you to get to tune in today. Welcome, Kim. I'm so glad that you are here with us today. I am thrilled to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and let us know like, what all you've done. You've done some amazing stuff. I have a crazy roundabout story. So I started out as an elementary teacher. Then I went to law school and I had a whole law career for 27 years. And just this year, I decided I do not want to be a lawyer anymore. Uh, And my husband said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to teach kindergarten. And so bless his heart. He said, do it. And so in October, I made this huge switch and stopped being a lawyer and started teaching kindergarten. And it was their last day today. And there might have been a few tears, um, <laughs> both of the kids part and me. Um, but other than that, I am a wife to Devin and a mom to Austin and Ethan. I have Austin in heaven and I have Ethan here. He just is 15. He just finished his freshman year of high school. So I have a teenager uh, and I teach kindergarten. (laughs) So uh, that's me and and I I write Bible studies and I love to do all of those things. That is so, uh, so sweet. I feel like that's like you might get whiplash coming home from kindergarten to a teenager. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's so fun. And I love how you just like 
all of a sudden decided, you know what, I want to teach kindergarten and did it like that. So I feel like most people would say like, oh, I wish I could teach kindergarten and not do anything about it. I think it's fantastic that you were like, you know what, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And that helped your husband's support helps you, you know, he, he was all for it. And so that of course helps, but also I would say you have to let go of the financial things that get you torn up about things like that. Right. Like, Oh, I couldn't do that. I could, you know, how could we afford the house we live in? Well, we're going to figure it out. Like we canceled cable and we, you know, we, we canceled other things and, you know, trying to make that budget stretch. And I would say to people, just, you gotta just, sometimes you just gotta do it and you gotta let God fill in the gaps. I feel like that then becomes a whole family decision whenever you start doing that. Um, but I feel like that's so, um, that's so telling of like the faith of your family, like your family's faith stepping out like that to say, you know what, this is what God has called mom to do. And we're going to follow and do it. Yeah. That, that came at a high price. I will tell you that is not, um, just like, Oh, yep. That's our family. No, that is born from, from losing a child. There is, there isn't Mm. much good about losing a child, but one of the things is you become fearless. Like my worst nightmare has already happened. You couldn't, you couldn't hurt our family any more than we've already been hurt. So who cares about the money? (laughs) Who cares if we have to cancel cable? Like it makes us fearless. And so I don't want people to think, oh, that, that lady, she's got more faith than I do. That's not it. It's more, um, more walk along the rocky road (laughs) of life um, that makes us a little more fearless. And you've written a little bit about that in one of your books, right? Can you tell us uh, just an overview of the three books you've got? Oh, sure. So that the one you're talking about is called Surviving Sorrow. And boy, I did not want to write that book, Um, but it is a mother's guide to living with loss. So it's there to help other moms. When we went through that, I really, there's lots of books on grief and there's lots of books on healing with Jesus, but there weren't a lot of books to tell me, how do I live? How do I get through the grocery store? How Mm. do I go to the park with my younger son? And then some mom says, oh, how many kids do you have? And I'm like, (laughs) it's like a bomb. And so I, I needed people to tell me, help me how to live. And so there's like all these practical ideas in there about how do you live with this kind of loss? So that's surviving sorrow. And um, I wrote a Bible study on the Gospel of John called His Last Words, because um, I remember very um, every detail of the last words of my son. And Mm -hmm. then when I thought about Jesus and going to the cross, I thought, oh, my goodness, what were his last words? You know, what did he say right before his death? Um, And I just gobbled those up. And so that's what his last words is a great uh, Easter study. You know, it's a great study right before Easter. But I also find it's good before Christmas, too, because it's kind of preparing us for what he's really coming for. Yeah. Um, And then just coming out is predicting Jesus. And that is a whopper. I am excited about it. It is a study of Isaiah and the prophecies in Isaiah that point to Jesus. So not all of Isaiah. We know it's long and 66 books (laughs) are 66 chapters, but um, we'll just look at the prophecies about Jesus 
And, um, and then we match those up with their New Testament fulfillment. So I put them side by side so you can see them and look at that and be in awe of our mighty God. Oh, I'm so excited for that book to come out. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And um, I, every year I read through the Bible and every year I get to Isaiah and I'm like, I want to study Isaiah so bad. And then I never do. I don't know why, but like other books come up or I've got other studies going on and I never actually get to Isaiah, but I think I might have to carve out time starting in August to uh, go through Isaiah. I tell you what, it's, I get why. And one of the other reasons is there's not a lot of tools. So Mm. the folks who tend to write like women's Bible studies, like guided Bible studies, they haven't touched it. Um, The only person who's touched it is Kay Arthur, of course. Really? No way. Yes. Only Kay Arthur has touched Isaiah in terms of women's Bible studies and now predicting Jesus. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. And so, of course, Kay Arthur is that, you know, precept inductive study where it's, you know, on your own, you know, and I love that um, because you really can do it. You really can study the Bible all on your own. Um, But it is kind of daunting because there are 66 chapters and you're kind of like, ah, where do I start? How would I study Isaiah? So I hope that predicting Jesus chunks it into bite-sized chunks and makes it super simple. So that's... um, that at least is uh, some of the folks who've seen it so far say, oh my goodness, you made that was really complicated and you made it really simple. And I'm like, hey, I teach kindergarten. (laughs) I love it. I can make things simple. That's so good. Um, You may know that I am pregnant right now. And when I'm pregnant and in that newborn fog, I feel like um, I love studying the Bible on my own, but it is not as easy when you're in that like pregnancy, like brain fog, and then into the newborn brain fog. Yes. And so I'm, I like doing, um, when I'm in heavier seasons like that, I like doing a Bible study. And so I'm definitely going to be picking up predicting Jesus. So Yay. I think that's a good point. Like there are different times when we do different things with our Bibles. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's important to realize that's so good for anybody listening to realize like, Hey, if you're struggling, you know, that's okay. Step back, try, try something else, you know, to get you in the word. Yeah. That's great. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to a great point. What are you doing in your Bible study right now? Struggling. Oh no. (laughs) Well, because I just switched. Right. And so for the three years before I had my own practice. So I, as most of us were, working out of our homes through COVID and working remotely and working from home. And so I had all the time I wanted uh, really to like wake up with my coffee and have that ideal, like all the time I wanted to study and read and pray and and then start my day. And now I get up at 5.30 and I gotta be out the door uh, by about 6.30, 7 o'clock at the latest because school, the kids come in the door at eight o'clock. Um, and so I'm, I'm shifting. I have to figure out how I'm going to do Bible study. Cause it's not going to be at five. I wake up at five 30 intending to yeah. do Bible study from five 30 to six and then get ready to go. And I hit snooze and then yeah. I take a longer shower than I intended. And all of a sudden all my, and then I have to pack my lunch and all of a sudden my Bible study time, my quiet time is gone. Yeah. So I really struggled to put it back in. 
And so I'm going to have to try some new strategies um, next fall. I'm thinking that I'm going to try to do it right after school when the kids leave, but still stay at school. Oh, right? that's like, a good idea. Bring yeah. my Bible study stuff to my classroom because after they leave, I really do need some like, whew, yeah. <laughs> some quiet time. And maybe that can be my new unwinding time uh, where I have that quiet space with the Lord. Um, and so I'm really craving it. Uh, and I have to, I'm going to have to try new things. I love that. And I think that that really speaks to a lot of us and a lot of where I've been is like when your routine changes or when your schedule changes, it throws everything off. And I have a one-year-old at home. We've, uh, talked about this already, I think a little bit, but, um, her nap schedule changes like every couple of months. And I yes. have to like completely rework my Bible study routine these days. Yes. And um, so I think that's so comforting to know that like other people also have to adjust their Bible study routines. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not just you if, if you're listening and you're trying to figure out your own Bible study routine either. We all have to kind of work with the rhythm of our day and figure out when we can work Bible study into our day. That's right. And stop beating yourself up about it. Like, yeah. you know, cause I could get into that too. I'd be like, Oh my heavens, I cannot believe that I haven't done this or I haven't done that. And I start to feel a little bad and like, Oh, that's so undisciplined. Like, why can't I just get up when my alarm rings and why can't I stick to my plan? And yeah. So I would add that don't beat yourself up about it. Like that does not do any good. And that usually is not the voice of the Lord in your head. Um, just try some new things. And so, um, but yeah, normally I like to do a little bit of both. Um, I'm usually in some sort of Bible study. So that's the good news at school. We do this at my school. We have Bible study on Wednesdays. Oh, that's awesome. So leave it or not. Um, we have a Bible study. And so then it's a matter of like, okay, I need to sit down and, and do the lessons, you know, that we're supposed to have done before we meet. So that does help, like you were saying, whether you're in a brain fog because of babies or you're in a really busy season, like meeting with someone else, that accountability can make you get it in your schedule. And yeah. so if you're struggling um, and you've been struggling for a while and you can't find your rhythm, maybe ask a friend um, to meet with you. And all we meet for is a half hour. And so wow. we hardly get anything done because it's like 7.30 to 8. And like I said, the kids come running in at 8 o'clock. So we, it's not very long. We don't get in-depth talk, but boy, it keeps us accountable and it keeps us praying for each other and we get a little bit um, in there. So I like to do that. I like to do a guided study always I, because it's my accountability. But then I always tell people that I, I hope that you set aside 15 minutes somewhere else in your day or maybe 30 minutes a couple times a week um, to just pick it up for yourself mm, and just ask yeah. the Lord to speak to you. Lord, what do you want to say to me today? What, do you, what is he trying to speak to you? Because that's the greatest miracle is that the Lord speaks to us through that book. Like I'm still yeah. blown away that he does that. And I think he can do it through guided studies and devotionals and things like that. He definitely can, but I find that his voice is the loudest when I crack open my Bible and say, speak to me, speak to me, Lord. So. Absolutely. That's so good. I, I find that the same in my life. I think that 
there's so many resources out there that are helpful, but I just, I'll never get over how amazing it is when like I'm reading God's word and I'm like, that was for me today. Like there was a reason that I am reading right in this point today. And it's just, it, I'll never get over that. Nope. I hope I never get over it either. It's, you know, I didn't really, I didn't have a Bible until I was 38. Um, I did not have one and um, I did not know. I did not know this power. And so I will tell anyone who will listen to me, like there is so much power and so much relationship. And it is a miracle that he really, the God of the universe really will speak to you if you will just sit down with him. Um, And so, yeah, it's my favorite miracle ever. (laughs) That's amazing. So did you grow up as a believer or did you um, come to faith at 38? Yeah. So I would say I came to faith at 38. Okay. Because I, my parents go to, took me to church. I went through all the steps of our traditional church and I knew of Jesus. I knew about Jesus. I just didn't know if I believed it. And as Mm. I, as soon as I could drive, I would lie and tell my parents I was going to church and I didn't. (laughs) And I just kind of went my own way. And it wasn't really until we lost our son that um, that I realized I just I had a moment with God got a hold of me, um, and I just knew that heaven was real and God yeah. is real. And then I had to start going, okay, if God is real and heaven is real, then what else is real? And mm. and somebody handed me a Bible and said, read it for yourself. And sent me to a Bible-based church, and I started going, "What? <laughs> it's right here! <laughs> How's it going? Nobody told me this. It's here, right here, in black and white." Uh, so yeah, it was a big, uh, a big change for me. Yeah, the, the fact that I was going to church and had a Bible was stunning to my entire family and all of my friends at that stage. <laughs> That's crazy, and I feel like. Um tragedy usually pushes people so far away from God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I, I needed something that big to bend my will to God almighty. Like I am, mm-hmm. he, Austin was never mine. He wasn't mine. I am not in control. I mean, he died from strep throat wow. uh, as a three-year-old in 2008 in one of the major cities in the United States. Like, how does this happen? Um, he saw a doctor three times in three days. Like I, I am not in control of this and no matter what I do, I cannot give my child another breath. So now what are you going to do? You know, (laughs) now, now, now what are you going to bend your will to? And so I really had to go, okay, um, God's in charge. And now what do I, now what do I do with that? Right. If I'm not no longer in charge of my own life, uh, now what, you know, and I really had to just start figuring it out and praise the Lord. He got us connected with a, a local church that was just strong and healthy and, and vibrant and really gentle with me and my stubbornness and my lack of knowledge. I didn't, you know, what is this Bible thing all about? So yeah, it was a big, big turn. Wow. That's an amazing story um, of just how God used such terrible circumstances. Um, So tell us a little bit about Isaiah and what drew you to writing a study on Isaiah. 
Especially I'm still kind of mind blown that you didn't have a Bible until 38 and you've written (laughs) two Bible studies and a book. And I'm just like sitting over here in awe of like how God has used your life so dramatically since then. Yep. Me too. Me too. Nobody's more in awe than me. Um, I'm so humbled, you know, that he would bother to save me first of all, because I was sure not paying any attention to him and then allow me to do this, you know, allow me to understand his word and to, to be able to help other women see the power of it and see the simplicity of it. Like, that's why I wrote his last words in the gospel of John. Like I was blown away with how simple it was. Right. And so what drew me to Isaiah is probably the lawyer training because I, and at that stage, I was a lawyer. I wanted proof, prove it. Mm. Okay. Like I, you, you have my son. (laughs) I know heaven is real. I know you are there now prove it to me about Jesus, because that's the part I was unsure of. Even when I was younger, even when I didn't have a, a, my salvation faith in Jesus, I believe there was God. I believed Mm -hmm. there was a creator. I just wasn't sure about Jesus. And mm. so Isaiah closed that gap for me because I, I learned that Isaiah was written 600 years before Jesus was even born. And over and over and over again, Isaiah tells us about Jesus. He tells yeah. us, you know, how he's going to be born. He tells us his ministry. He tells us all about his death, like right down to what they're going to do with his clothes. Um, you know, it is, I got goosebumps right now. I mean, yeah, me too. I'm like, woo, this is oh, exciting. It is so compelling. It is so compelling proof. So it's like if you were in front of a jury and you had to convince them in a courtroom that Jesus is real, you could hold up Isaiah and say, look, this says that this man would be born of a virgin. This says that he would be, you know, uh, our salvation. This says by his stripes, we would be healed. This says they would cast die. They would cast lots for his clothing. Like this says, you know, and it it just, they just stack up. I mean, the proof was like overwhelming. Uh, You know, you want that beyond a reasonable doubt? Well, read Isaiah. Like, just watch him as <laughs> he just lines it all up. And by the end of Isaiah, I, there's no disputing it for me anymore. And so that's, I hope uh, to let women see that uh, as they guide that, as I hope to guide them in studying Isaiah and make them feel like they can not have to slog through it, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, like, it's not easy. Isaiah's writing his poetry. It's not, you know, it's not easy read, um, but it's there. You can, you can dig it out. I feel like Isaiah is one of those books that I had to read like 14 or 15 times before I kind of understood maybe what was happening. (laughs) And so, yeah. And it's weird. I mean, prophecy is always hard and kind of scared to tackle, you know, and talk about prophecy is kind of weird still. Like even as like mystical and things that our society and culture is, it's still weird to, to admit, right. That I believe Mm -hmm. in prophecy. That's like Absolutely. saying, I believe in a fortune teller. Yeah, but only those fortune tellers who say they're talking about Jesus yeah. <laughs> and say they're, you know, like only the prophets, right? But it's still a little weird to think about that they, to, to stand on that truth mm. that Isaiah said it 600 years before it happened. And I believe those connections are true and truth and from the creator of the universe for our benefit to prove it to us that Jesus was who he said he was, 
that's our proof. Um, and, you know, of course, people are going to tear that down and try to try to shake that out. But I think when you study it, it's it's difficult to shake that apart. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, it really is. You'll see it. Um, and so Isaiah is so big, you know, with 66 chapters, so big. And Isaiah was doing a lot of things. You know, he had a lot of things that he was doing and speaking to the people um, for for different reasons. And he he often did near and far prophecies. And so mm. he would say one thing and that came true kind of close to them, like in their time, like in the like Babylonian exile, like that was going to happen. But that statement also can be said of the Messiah and, wow. you know, and, and our separation from God or our reconciliation. So about halfway through the book of Isaiah, he turns and stops talking to them about their judgment and he starts talking to them about their hope. And so in chapter 40, he turns and he starts talking about their hope. So it's almost like Old Testament, New Testament in Isaiah. Like the first chapter is like Old Testament, kind of hard to read. <laughs> but you get to chapter 40 and you're like, oh, OK, I like this a little bit better. And then in the last six chapters are all like end, not more end time prophecies, like what it's going to look like. And they line up with Revelation. So anyways, it don't get me started. On Isaiah, oh, I, want, really... I, I want to talk to you forever about this. This is so cool. I'm just thinking about the intricacies of God's word, like how perfectly God as the author lines everything up. It's just, yeah. it's mind blowing. It is mind blowing. We don't, I, I always compare reading and studying to like visiting the Grand Canyon versus hiking the Grand Canyon. I and that. I feel like, so often when we're just reading and we're looking at the top of the Grand Canyon, we don't necessarily see all of those intricate details, but this is why it's so important to study and dig in and ask questions and find answers. And, oh, this is just yes. so exciting and yeah. pre-order uh, predicting Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Uh, yeah. I agree with you about the hiking versus the seeing and, you know, reading plans are great. And if that's all you can do in this season, great. But I would encourage you just like that, Eva, you have got to get a Bible you can write in. So my sister will not write in a book. I'm like, then get a journal, Yeah. you know, like get a piece of paper next to you, like write in it, mark it, dog ear it, put post-it notes in it, uh, you know, write questions, look it up, Google it for heaven's sakes. If something's confusing, Google it yeah. um, and dig in a little bit because God will knock your socks off. He will actually... He will not only knock your socks off, he will love you. Mm. You will feel more love than yes. you've ever felt in your entire life when you study the Bible and you allow yourself to, to open your heart and really say, show me who you are. Who are you? Mm. Right. And why do you love me? <laughs> and what do I have to do with anything? But when you study it more for like who are you? And, and I want to hear from you. I want to know you. He will show you and you will just cry your eyes out from feeling so loved. Yeah. Mm. It's awesome. Don't miss it. Absolutely. <laughs> so good. Well, as we are wrapping up, I just, I, you said something earlier that I'd like to just revisit because maybe somebody listening feels this way as well. You, you said that you knew there was a God, but you just didn't quite get Jesus. You didn't believe in it. You couldn't quite wrap your head around the whole Jesus thing. Where do you suggest somebody start if they're feeling that way? Like if they have 
no idea if Jesus is even real or why God would send him or any of that. Oh, so initially I would, because it's where I was pointed and it got through to me, I would say the gospel of John on one hand, on the other hand, if you're a skeptical person and you challenge things and you're like, mm, yeah, that's nice, but prove it, you know, then I would say start in Isaiah mm. and, and read Isaiah. Um, what I didn't understand was the need for us, the need for the atonement. Okay. So, right. If God loves me so much, then why doesn't he just beam me up? You know, like, why would he send all these people to hell? if he loves yeah. us so much. So I couldn't wrap my head around a loving God who wasn't going to allow all of his children, if we're all his children, you know, to heaven. I didn't understand the separation sin caused. And mm. so that's my hesitation with saying, go to the gospel of John, because if you don't understand why you need a savior, why your sin separates you from God, then you'll never get Jesus. You'll never understand why he had to die on the cross. He had to die on the cross because God said so. Way in the beginning, when we sinned, God said he would require lifeblood. Okay, mm -hmm. when Noah and everybody gets off the ark, he tells Noah, I will require lifeblood. Okay, so that's sacrifice. That's why the Jews had to make all these sacrifices for sin, right? That's why Jesus had to come because God always keeps his word. If he says it, he's going to do it. And so God said, sin equals death. Sin equals lifeblood. And, and I was like, oh, like now I get it. Now I understand why Jesus had to die because God said so. Sin yeah. requires a sacrifice. Sin requires lifeblood. So the blood of Jesus is the only perfect person like nobody else could die for our sins. The blood of a goat or a bull or a ram can't do it. But his perfect son, the perfect Jesus, God, man, that lifeblood could wash all of our sins clean. And so that takes a little Old Testament. That's why I'm saying maybe, yeah. maybe it's the right place to start. Actually, I'd say start in Genesis. I don't know. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to tell him. Start in the Gospel of John and understand Jesus' heart. So I think yeah. in the Gospel of John, you see the heart of God. So I would say start there and then go back to Genesis and read Genesis and then go back to the Gospel and, you know, yeah. and go back and forth because it doesn't make any sense unless you understand the need for atonement for our sins by blood. Oh, that's, that's so good. Can you imagine if we still had to like sacrifice sheep and goats today? Oh my gosh. Every year, like four times a year. I pass phase. out when I like see blood. This would not be good for me. <laughs> it would not be good. Thank goodness we have Jesus. Absolutely. Oh, Amen. Too funny. That's great. Well, if people want to follow up with you and find out more about your books and find you, how can people follow you online? Okay. So I have a website and I'm on Facebook and Instagram. So my website is Kim A. Erickson because it's a really common name. So it's Kim A. E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N.com. KimAerickson.com is my website. You can find all sorts of stuff there. Um, and I don't want to let it pass um, in case moms are listening uh, that I have some grief resources there. Um, things, ideas to help the grieving. If you're helping somebody with grieving, I've got some things there for you. And then Facebook and Instagram are Kim Erickson 
author uh, on Facebook and then Kim Erickson 8. Again, Kim Erickson is a very common name, so I have to do other things. So Kim Erickson 8 on Instagram, and I would love uh, to connect with people and um, see how I can help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I've so enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, Eva. Me too. I'm so glad we met this way and had a lovely talk tonight. As you take your next steps towards God through studying the Bible, I pray that you remember our goal is connection with God over perfection in our process. Remember, your time with God doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. We'll see you next time on Bible Study Made Simple.